0: Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Hebrews 12, 1-3 It's time to throw off everything that hinders. If you've followed stepping stones 1-5, through 5, then you've gravitated to the right foundation for your heart and your mind. You've fallen in love with the Lord and his church. You've assessed yourself and your church. There's no negative lens getting in the way because you're seeing what God is seeing in the church. Your your passions are in alignment with his passions. You have a drone's eye view of where you are and where you need to go next as an individual as well as a body of believers. By now, hopefully you've identified the issues going on in your church Whether it's an old tradition or a new practice, an accepted sin or ongoing addition, Uh, addiction—if we, as a body of believers, are not careful, we'll fall into the same trap that the Israelites did. Today, we're going to look at the story of the golden calf in Exodus 32: 1 through 20. Because the nature surrounding this issue is not just about a golden calf, but about what idolatry looks like today, it is mind-blowing how quickly sin can deceive and have a grip on us when we're not on guard. That being said, this step is quite possibly the most difficult step of them all, but we're going to work through it together today. Welcome to episode nine of the Total Ministry Makeover. Welcome to the Total Ministry Makeover, where we have one goal for church leaders everywhere, to get on the right foundation for life in the ministry. Regardless of the size of your church or the size of your leadership, if you follow the steps of the Total Ministry Makeover, it'll dynamically change how you lead in your church. And by extension, how your church can impact your world for Jesus Christ. I'm Shane Thacker, I'm your host. Thanks for joining the conversation today. Well, last time I said we were going to have an interview with Doug Franklin from Leader Trex. While we were mid-interview a few weeks back, a fire broke out in my neighborhood and wiped out the internet and the electrical box that's also on my property. We have buried lines. So power was cut. Um, I, I record from my home studio. So I went to reschedule and then I had COVID. So we rescheduled again and now he's had something come up. It's just been a mess. So Eventually, we're going to get that interview finished because he has some great wisdom. I had about 20 minutes of it recorded before um, that fire took place and everything got cut. Um, It was really good content, but it's not finished yet. So I can't wait to share that with you uh, as we try and reschedule and get that taken care of. So moving on for today, we're just skipping on ahead. I am on track for dropping episodes every two weeks still yet. And I appreciate all your prayers and your encouragement throughout this time. This is an ongoing thing, but if you ever have questions about anything on the show or in the book or need advice on your specific situation, send me a message. I'd be glad to set up a call and and chat one-on-one or just answer the question on the show if you just wanted to send it as a message. So we're talking about Stepping Stone 6 now, Kill the Golden Calves. And if you're dealing with a situation like that, you know the seriousness of it all no I'm not talking about a real physical golden calf well hopefully but what it represents idolatry in our everyday lives we think to ourselves that we'd never bow down to a golden calf but what are some everyday idols we deal with in our society today I think one of the biggest vices we have involves the tech we use Whether it's just being on our devices all the time, seeking fame of those likes and shares, maybe you have a porn addiction. Our tech, regardless, can have a major grip on us. And when it does, it doesn't matter what the idol is. We shift off the right foundation. Our love grows cold toward the Lord and his church. And our time in ministry comes to a stop. May it never be with you and me never, ever again. We're called to a higher standard in our walk with Christ and to throw off everything that hinders. And as shepherds in the church, we're called to uphold that same standard among our church members. Well, tech is just one of many examples. And please hear me on this. I am not saying tech is all bad. After all, what am I using to get this podcast out? Uh, We can most certainly use tech for good, and we should man, there is such a vice that it can have. It's like money. It's how we use it that makes it good or evil. This is such an important topic, and we really need to hone in on the idols of today that have a vice on our church family or on our own lives. It's the only way you can move forward as a church. So let's look at the story in Exodus 32. They had been set free as an entire people, from the bondage of slavery. They witnessed the 10 plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea, the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. God led them to freedom. And while they weren't at the promised land, they were no longer owned as slaves and harshly abused. They were wanderers. And no doubt about it, when Jesus, way on down the road, fed the 5,000, that was just amazing. But I think we overlook the fact that God provided manna and quail daily for millions of Israelites for years and years and years. That's such a miracle as well. Moses went up on the mountain to be with God in Exodus 20, and 40 days—I'm sorry, Exodus 32—40 days had passed. They're weary. And I'll start reading on Exodus 32, starting in verse 1. (coughs) When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. I've tried to wrap my mind around this. Why, after all they had witnessed and done and been set free from, why would they turn back to bondage? Why would Aaron agree to their request so quickly? I talk about this a lot with our church family, but if you wanna really dig deeper into a Bible story, you need to put yourself in the shoes of those in the story. Look from their lens. Now, not to excuse their behavior by any means, But these were ones who had lived under harsh rule their entire lives. They were slaves all their lives. Aside from the tabernacle in Exodus 25 to 27, they never really had a place of worship. The entire Egyptian culture, on top of that, was pointing to their false gods. Everything would have been centered on their worldview, not the Israelites. No doubt they knew the names of all the false gods, their roles, you get the idea. They went away from a place of harsh rule, but it was also all that they knew, their only security. Keep putting yourselves in in their shoes and their world as you study this. So verse 7 goes on to say this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I had commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who you brought, up, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. God rescued them, provided for them, protected them, and showed them his vast power and authority. And yet, they turned their backs on him. Only 40 days of silence is all it took. Greater than even a covenant of marriage, they cheated on him for a cheapened, lifeless, golden calf. I don't think we take sin seriously enough. I don't think we grieve over our sin enough. Yes, we're loved by God and we're forgiven, but look at what God is planning to do because of their idolatry. He's going to destroy them over this. If we truly fear God, we need to look at the seriousness of what sin is and what it does in our lives, specifically with idolatry in this case. Let's move on to verse 11. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. I just love this. Lord, he said, Why should your anger burn against your people whom you have brought up out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever." Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Wow! First, there's the seriousness of sin, of course. And then look at how important it is to plea on the behalf of your people. Idolatry will wreck marriages. Idolatry will lead into all kinds of addictions. And if you see this as a leader, if you see this coming with a family in your church, are you pleading to God on their behalf? Maybe it's infecting the church family right now. It's not just one couple that's affected or a few people. This is a large number of your church family what, what are you doing about it as a leader on their behalf are you standing in the gap and doing whatever you can to bring them back on the right foundation well let's move on verse 15 and following says this Moses turned down uh, turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands they were inscribed on both sides front and back the tablets were the work of God the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, There is the sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, It's not the sound of victory, it is not the sound of defeat, it is the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned. And he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf the people had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. It didn't go without punishment, and a severe one at that. While I'm not advocating that you make your church family to drink water that has powdered gold in it... (laughs) Discipline in the church does need to take place when addressing idolatry in the church. So Moses found the issue and addressed it. We're called to do the same as leaders in the church. How should we do that today? Because you don't see people physically bowing down to their phones or whatever modern-day idol they're dealing with. But as you've really gotten to know and love your church family, you probably are already aware of something major going on that's dragging your church family off the right foundation as leaders if we're going to shepherd and lead well you've got to hunt down and kill the golden calves destroy them there is no place for it in the church there's no place for it among the body of believers the bride of christ there is no place for it there there's only room for one on the throne You've laid the foundation and paved the way to assess it well. Now you finally get to address it. After a short break, we'll talk about how to see this issue, how to engage and kill the golden calves. The hunt is on. We'll be right back. With the Total Ministry Makeover, if you're not aware, this is more than a podcast. There's a book too on Amazon.com. Here's some recent feedback from Keenan Klein from the Christian Church of Carl Junction, in Missouri. After going through COVID, many churches have found themselves with less people, less staff, and many questions. Shane does a great job in in this book getting you and your church back on the right foundation of falling in love with God, His people, and His mission. If you find yourself looking for a book to grow yourself and your leadership team with, this is an incredible resource for you. Thank you, Keenan. I really appreciate the input. Um, if you bought the book, send some feedback. I'd love to give you a shout out on the show as well. And now we have t-shirts. They're available for $15, but I also have a combo deal. If you want the shirt and the book purchased separately, it's $15 each, or you can buy the combo for $25. Shipping is extra, of course, but send me a message if you're interested. You can pay by Venmo or Apple Pay. Um, Again, look in the episode description for the link. I have several blogs out, and with March being just around the corner, I wanted to make you aware of what I call the God is Calling Me season. From March to May each year, there's a lot of folks moving to different ministries. Is God calling you? I want to encourage you to check out this blog. Just push pause on things and assess whether it's time for you to move on or not. Welcome back to the show. We're talking about killing those modern-day golden calves in whatever form they come. How do you identify them? What do they do when they've taken hold in someone's life, maybe even in your life? Like any other sin, it starts with a thought, specifically a thought of temptation. And I'm going to use you for an example because it's the best way you can learn how to address this issue in others. If you can, if you learn how to address these issues yourself, then you can equip others. So let's use anger as an example. There's a member of your leadership team that just gets under your skin. Every time you interact, a thought of temptation happens. They say something and the anger is setting in. How dare they do that to you? How could they speak to you that way? You deserve to be treated better. (laughs) And you dwell on that anger, though. You're, You're stewing over it. And That one little thought of anger becomes the object of almost every thought of yours. It starts to consume your entire day. Every time you think about that person and that interaction, that one thing they said, you just get angrier. You start making up these scenarios of future conversations of how you wish you could address the issue, but it's left unaddressed. And you find yourself putting up walls between you and them over time if you don't deal with it you just avoid interacting with them they burned the bridge you're not going to forgive them you're going to hold on to that anger maybe you tell your close friend circle how much you can't stand them well maybe your mannerisms your body language everything you do seems to be centered on putting them down or otherwise putting them in a bad light unity is out the window does that sound familiar? Pretty soon you're closed off completely. You've got the walls up between you and them. You don't want anything to do with them. They're fully formed walls. They're setting in stone. And let me tell you something, if this is you, the longer that you don't deal with this anger, the more solidified the walls will become. Now you might be saying to yourself, Shane, this is anger. This is not idolatry. When you take your focus off of the Lord and onto your anger, it consumes your time. It consumes you. It leads you only into more sin. What is the difference between that and bowing down to a golden calf? It's only mentioned one time in the New Testament, but idolatry leads you to having a spiritual stronghold. Strongholds sound like a good thing at first. Strongholds defend what's on the inside and attack what's on the outside. It provides safety and security It's prepared for war or anything else that comes their way. But what if you're defending the wrong things on the inside? And what if you're attacking the wrong things on the outside? That's exactly what a spiritual stronghold does. It starts with that one single sinful thought. And when you hold tight to that and let that be the object of your focus, your worship, brick by brick, thought by thought, you start to build up walls around that sin issue. You start to defend it. Well, I wouldn't be so angry if he didn't say that. Seems childish hearing it like that, doesn't it? But that's exactly what we do. We start in on this self-justification, self-righteousness. And if we have a spiritual stronghold, we'll defend our sin issue as if it's something worth defending. But what do we, ta- what do we attack? We attack our relationship with God and with those we love. It ruins relationships. Walls don't let the light in Think about that In fact, if we have a stronghold we're dealing with We actually glaze things over with lies As if everything's okay We deny that there's even an issue And just keep it in the dark Maybe maybe we're not lying Maybe we've got so convinced That things are okay That we're convinced that that's actually true It's like level 2 idolatry We bury our idol, our sin issue, with lies and more sin. We fill ourselves up with all the wrong things, and the moment people do that, they're in it and they're in it deep. It creates the negative lens I've talked about in the past. In our anger, for example, if someone made us angry and we're dealing with a stronghold, then nothing they do will ever be good enough for you. It has devastating consequences if we leave this unaddressed. Does this sound at all familiar? It could be anger, it could be anything. Well, thankfully there's hope. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says this, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, God equips us with spiritual weapons to fight our spiritual battles. And that's the answer. The only hope you have in dismantling a stronghold is by taking captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ. Lord, I can't handle this problem, but you can. Most likely, if you've been dealing with a stronghold for very long, you might, even, you might not even realize what the root issue is. Until you start dismantling the stronghold and let the light shine in, brick by brick, thought by thought, hand it all over to Christ. It sneaks in like a Trojan horse, and it's insane the damage it'll do in your walk with Christ, in your ministry, in everything you do. Every time temptation comes, you stop and pray. You viciously attack every thought, break it down brick by brick and thought by thought. Eventually, as the walls continue to come down, while you've got that plank out of your eye, you'll begin to see clearly once again to see what you've been hiding in your heart. Get with a wise leader and work through those specks, those planks, those bricks that need to be removed. And once you have whittled the stronghold down to nothing, you'll see the golden calf in your life clearly. You're ready for the kill. You know what you need to do, right? That's when you confess your sin issue over to God and hand it all over to Him, and He will heal you. He'll kill that golden calf for you. If you're a wise leader, when you see these strongholds forming within the church in any way, shape, or form, you need to ask God for wisdom on how to address these issues. No doubt it's going to be a tough conversation and you might need to pull in other leaders on the conversation first on how to best address the issue, but make no mistake, you need to address it. We're clothing the church in righteousness, and you can't do that if there's a golden calf in the midst of all that you're doing. So here's the groundwork for the week. Meet with the Paul, the wise leader in your life, and talk about if there are some golden calves among your church body that need to be addressed. Maybe it's built up more than that. It's a stronghold that someone's dealing with. An old tradition, new practice, sin issue, doesn't matter. There's no place for it in the church, right? Remember to make sure going into the conversation that you're not dealing with a plank in your own eye to ensure that you can see clearly to help others along the way. And remember, I provided questions in the episode description. There's no doubt a lot to it, a lot to unpack with that thought of taking captive every thought and dismantling any stronghold so that you can see clearly the golden calves in your own lives, but also trying to help someone else to see clearly too, takes a lot of time, patience, prayer, patience, prayer, time, (laughs) prayer, wisdom. Man, it just takes, it's going to be a while. It's not an easy step, but it's necessary. So I hope and pray that you can break down those strongholds, that you can continue to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ and to do the same with your church family and lead them through that because when they can break free from the chains of sin, that's when things come alive in the church. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please do click the like button and share it anywhere you can on your social media pages, ministry groups, sending invites to friends in ministry, because it's better to go through this content together. God made us in his image, and he has never, ever been alone. I'm hoping to have Doug Franklin from Leader Treks on how he leads a team for this next episode. He's had a lot of experience specifically in youth ministry. um, But as many of you know, the youth ministry extends beyond just the youth, that you're, you're affected in all areas of the church and you are effective in all areas of the church if you're a healthy leader. Well, he's got a great discipleship program that I cannot wait to share with you this next time. That being said, thanks for joining for episode nine and God bless.